The Orthodox Journey. In this edition of The Orthodox Journey, we reflect upon this week's Gospel reading, The Parable of the Landowner, with Pandelis Tumbelekis. We also reflect upon the birth of Panagia with Father Dimitri Kokinos, parish priest of the Greek Orthodox Church at Parramatta. Maria Stavropoulos will bring us the Saints of the Week, Saints Joachim and Anna. This is The Orthodox Journey. The Holy Gospel. In the Gospel reading of today, the Church once again puts one of Jesus' many parables in front of us the parable of the landowner and the tenants. Here is a brief summary of the parable. A certain landowner planted a vineyard, set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. He then leased it to vine dressers and went to a far country. At various times he sent his servants to receive fruit from it, but the vine dressers beat, killed, and stoned them. Finally he sent his son, saying, They will respect my son. But the vine dressers said, This is the heir. Let us kill him and seize his inheritance. And they did so. Jesus then asked them what the owner of the vineyard will do to the vine dressers when he comes. They replied, He will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. Taking them at their own words, just as the prophet Nathan had done with King David, the Lord said, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvellous in our eyes. He continued, The kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this cornerstone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. At this, they tried to lay hands on Jesus, but couldn't do it publicly because the crowds regarded Jesus as a prophet. In this parable, there is some important imagery that applies to us today. The vineyard is the kingdom of God on earth, and the vine dressers then were the chief priests and the elders. Jesus said, The kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. The church is now that nation as the Israel of God, and has been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. The hedge around the vineyard was the Mosaic law, which tended to keep outsiders out and the faithful in. The fruit produced by the vineyard, in the words of St. John Chrysostom, was their obedience, the proof of it by their works. Thus, 
there was a complete disconnect between what was done and what should have been done. All this was done both to expose their wickedness and to demonstrate his love toward man. And he sent his servants, that is the prophets, to receive the fruit. But they even here showed their wickedness, not only by failing to give the fruit after having enjoyed so much care, but also by showing anger towards them that came. They that didn't have anything to give when they owed should not have been indignant nor angry, but should have entreated. But they not only were indignant, but even filled their hands with blood while deserving punishment, themselves inflicted punishment. To this end, the vineyard had a wine press to help extract the maximum from the fruit and a tower as a beacon to the world. A practical purpose of the tower in ancient vineyards was to provide a cool, quiet place for aging the wine. The implication of the vineyard in this parable is that high quality wine will be produced. St. John Chrysostom commented on this. Notice both his great care and the excessive idleness of the Jewish nation. For what pertains to the vine dressers, he himself did, the hedging it round about, the planting the vineyard, and all the rest, and he left little for them to do, to take care of what was there, and to preserve what was given to them. Nothing was left undone, but all accomplished. Not even so did they profit from this when they had enjoyed such great blessings from him. For when they had come out of Egypt, he gave a law, set up a city, built a temple, and prepared an altar. When he went into a far country, this means that he bore with them for a long time, not always bringing the punishments close upon their sins. For by his going into a far country, he means his great long-suffering. Today we have a similar situation, where the priests and bishops have taken the place of the prophets as the Lord's servants sent to receive the fruit of the vineyard. How many times do they urge us to forgive one another, to embrace and to be reconciled within the body of Christ, but we refuse? In the Lord's eyes, refusal to reconcile and to forgive is as bad as murder. Other examples of the fruit of the vineyard are our own words of praise to God and our deeds that show love to our brothers and sisters. Finally, the landowner sent his son, saying, They will respect my son. Why should he say this after such a long history of abusing the prophets? St. John Chrysostom's comments on this are 1. That this is what they ought to have done. Number 2. That this is another extension of the Lord's long-suffering. And number three, that they might fill up the measure of their father's guilt and be without excuse. To this one might add all the incredible miracles Jesus performed. Certainly, this should have generated considerable respect. The inheritance that the vine dressers and the chief priests wanted to seize was control of the kingdom of God on earth. 
The fruits vary from season to season, sometimes fasting and repentance, other times feasting and thanksgiving. If we, like them, refuse to render to him the fruit he expects, he may lease the vineyard to others also. St. Paul uses a similar analogy. The grafting of the Gentiles' branches into a cultivated olive tree and cutting off the natural branches. The chief priests realized the impact of what Jesus was saying, that he is the kingdom of God being given to others. St. Luke records their reaction as, May it never be! But the Lord quoted Psalm 118, verses 22 and 23, about the stone which the builders, that is the chief priests, rejected becoming the chief cornerstone, and how this was the Lord's doing, and it is marvellous in our eyes. This psalm was also quoted by the Apostle Peter in testifying before the Sanhedrin a few months later, and by St. Peter later in his first epistle. How about us? Are we offended by some things that Scripture teaches? Do we have little areas of our lives that are off-limits? When God's messengers come to us in our part of the vineyard and expect fruit in its season, we need to be ready to receive them, to welcome what they say, and to thank God for His bounty. My brothers and sisters, the birth of Panagia was a miracle. Her mother Anna, who was formerly barren, gives birth to a child, a daughter Mary. The church and all the earth rejoices, for this child that is born is she who shall become the mother of our God. She shall give birth to a son who is God, God who becomes man. He who was the pre-eternal God has prepared for himself a mother, a mother who will give birth to him according to the flesh. The Most Holy Theotokos is a bridge between heaven and earth, because it was through her that God descended from his heavenly throne and appeared on earth as a man. The Most Holy Theotokos shall become our offering to God, through whom he will put into motion his plan for the propitiation of the sins of the whole inhabited earth. She is born who is the one human being, the one person in the history of the human race, upon whom God, the all-sufficient, depended upon in order to effect our salvation. The birth of the Most Holy Theotokos is an occasion for much rejoicing. Also, we can learn from the parents of Panagia, righteous Joachim and Anna, a very good lesson about our life in Christ. We can take them as a model of the Christian struggle and as an example of hope and perseverance in trials. Saints Joachim and Anna were distinguished for their pious and righteous manner of life. 
Just as with the parents of John the Baptist, St. Zacharias and Elizabeth, we could also say they were both before God righteous. They walked in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. For the Jews, childlessness was a matter of reproach. It was thought that such a couple were for some reason rejected by God. So their barrenness was a very painful trial for them. Although they lived in a righteous manner, yet God had withheld children from them. They must have thought, why is this so? Why are we being cursed by God? It is helpful to understand issues in their historical and cultural context. Even today, many couples, if they are infertile, they find this very distressing. However, in the times of Jesus, within that culture, if a couple was infertile, it was an enormous shame and extremely distressing. And this trial or cross of theirs reached its peak when Saint Joachim, on bringing an offering to God in the temple, was rebuked by one of his fellow Israelites for his childlessness. Yet at this affront, the righteous couple did not rebel against God, they, and, they became, and they did not become bitter or complain as many people do in the midst of trials. They humbly accepted everything that had come upon them and they did not lose hope. They turned to God in fervent prayer. The righteous Joachim went off into the hill country and with prayer and fasting besought God to take away their reproach while Saint Anna lamented at home in her garden. And an angel of God appeared to each informing them that they would bear a child. To Joachim the angel said, Joachim, Joachim, the Lord God hath heard thy prayer. Go down hence, for behold, thy wife Anna shall conceive. And to Anna the angel said, Anna, Anna, the Lord hath heard thy prayer, and thou shalt conceive, and shalt bring forth, and thy seed shall be spoken of in all the world. This is a pattern of what happens in our lives. When we seem to be crushed in one way or another, we seem to be deprived of God's grace and we feel unable to endure anymore. Yet this is often a prelude to something good that God wants to give us. But he is first putting us through a test. He tests us to see if we are prepared to receive what he has in store for us. So then, when we face various sorrows, sufferings and pains, whether of body or soul, we must be patient and not lose hope. Rather, we should turn to God, entreating him with fervent prayer. For fruit will come, and all the more if we are able to add fasting to our waiting on the Lord with prayer. But we do not look for fruit as something external, something material, but we must look for fruit within ourselves, fruit in our souls, in our hearts. 
what we really should desire as a fruit of our trials in this life is to give birth to the grace of God in our hearts. And this grace will, so to speak, bring forth children, that is, the fruits of the Spirit, of which the Holy Apostle Paul writes, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And it may be that God will not take away our trials. He has the power to. He may bring about a solution to our problems. A miracle may happen. The miracle may be that our illness recovers or a very difficult person changes. However, an equally great miracle occurs if our problem does not get better, yet we experience inner consolation in the midst of our trial and suffering. It is a great miracle if in the midst of our tribulations we experience the fruits of the Spirit within ourselves. Then the trials we experience will be as nothing. So let us take the example of the hope and perseverance of the righteous Joachim and Anna as a model for us. Let us be ready for whatever trials come upon us to seal our faith in God. At this time of year, when we remember Panagia a lot and are getting ready to celebrate her Domitian, let us turn to the Mother of God and ask her for a gift. And what gift should we, should we be looking for? Perseverance, hope and patience in the trials that come upon us. And then we shall also bring forth the other fruits of the Spirit spoken of by the Apostle. Through the prayers of his most pure mother, may our Lord Jesus Christ have mercy on us and adorn us with the fruits of his Holy Spirit. And if we are thus adorned, we shall have an entrance into his heavenly kingdom to ever rejoice in the vision of the Holy Trinity together with the most holy Theotokos and all the saints unto the ages of ages. Amen. The Saints of the Week Saints Joachim and Anna are the blessed parents of Banaia, making them the grandparents of our Lord Jesus Christ. Their feast day is celebrated on the 9th of September, the day after the nativity of the Theotokos. Saint Joachim was of the tribe of Judah and a descendant of King David. Saint Anna was the daughter of the high priest Mathis of the tribe of Levi and was also of David's lineage. Anna was married to Joachim in Galilee. They were wealthy, but lived devoutly and quietly, giving a third of their income to the poor, a third to the temple, and using only a third of their income for themselves. Joachim had done this since he was 15 years old, and God multiplied his flocks, so the couple was well provided for. Saints Joachim and Anna had been married for 50 years. They longed for a child, but remained childless into their old age. One day, on a great feast day, Joachim went to Jerusalem to offer sacrifice to God in the temple. The high priest, upon seeing Joachim, scolded him, saying, You are not worthy to offer sacrifice with those childless hands. Others who had children pushed Joachim, thrusting him back as unworthy. This caused the aged saint great grief, and he left with a heavy heart. 
he took his flocks and went to a high mountain, refusing to return home in shame. He stayed there in fasting and prayer for forty days and nights. He prayed to God that he would work in them the same wonder he had worked in Abraham and Sarah and give them a child to comfort their old age. Meanwhile, Saint Anna learned what humiliation her husband endured. She sorrowfully entreated God with prayer and fasting to grant her a child. She prayed, You know the pain of childlessness. Put an end to the sorrow of my heart and open my womb and make me who am barren, fruit-bearing, so that we may bring the one born of me as a gift to you. The prayer of the saintly couple was heard. God sent the archangel Gabriel to each of them, who gave them tidings of the birth of a child most blessed, who shall be spoken of in all the world. They both promised to have their child raised in the temple as a holy vessel of God. The angel told Saint Joachim to return home, where he would find his wife waiting for him at the Golden Gate in Jerusalem. He asked Anna to wait at the gate. When Saints Joachim and Anna saw one another, they embraced. This image is depicted in the traditional icon of their feast. Saint Anna then conceived. This conception of the Most Holy Mother of God is celebrated by the Church on December 9th. Nine months later, she gave birth to the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is referred to as the Nativity of the Theotokos and is celebrated on September 8th. Saints Joachim and Anna brought up Panagia in a most holy manner. When Panagia was three years old, they took her to the temple. They dedicated her to the service of the Lord and presented her to the priest Zecharias. The parents then after offering her up as a sacrifice, according to the custom of the time, left the Virgin with the other maidens in the apartments of the temple to be brought up there. The church commemorates the presentation of the Theotokos on November 21st. During the next seven years, righteous Anna and Joachim visited Banahia often at the temple. Saint Joachim reposed at 80 years of age. Saint Anna reposed at the age of 79 leaving Panagia an orphan at 11 years of age. The Dormition feast day of Saint Anna is celebrated on July 25th. Having a special affinity for the struggle of Joachim and Anna and recognizing not only their faithfulness but also the powerful manner by which the Lord responded to their prayers, Christians in like circumstances have sought their intercessions. Their Droparion reads, let us sing praises to Joachim and Anna, the couple honoured by God, and they are his kinsmen. They have borne for us the maiden, who in a manner beyond understanding gave birth to him, who, though fleshless, became the incarnate to save the world. With her they intercede for our souls.
We hope you've enjoyed this edition of The Orthodox Journey. To keep up to date with our podcast, subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or head to orthodoxjourney.com where you can find even more Orthodox articles, talks, sermons and podcasts.